Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. When the shepherd becomes a wolf, the first act of the sheep is to defend themselves. Those are the words of Dom Prosper Geringer, the 19th century theologian, that I find myself quoting quite a lot these days. He was an anti-modernist, and he saw the writing on the wall, that the modernists were an ascension, and he, without his thinking, being clouded by the diabolic disorientation that has entered the church in our time, taught the traditional faith, and even told us that when the shepherds are a threat to the faith, that we are not to follow their lead. Remember what he has to say, because Cardinal Supich is up to no good. It's been a while since the Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago has been talked about consistently on this podcast. You know, from time to time he'd come up, but that was about it. Now he's back in the news on a very regular basis. When I first started this channel almost four years ago now, as a joke I called him a friend of the channel when I would report on the evil things he was doing, mostly because I found myself talking about him nearly as much as I talked about Francis the Great and Merciful. I stopped with the joke of calling Supich a friend of the channel because it got old and I got actually tired of explaining to people that it was a joke that he was not actually a friend of the channel. Now that joke may have to come back because he is clearly on a mission for Francis in America. Buckle up, folks. Supich published an article in America Magazine, that modernist rag published by the Jesuits, whose editor-in-chief is Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church. Bear that in mind, because that is where Supich decided to make public to the Catholics of the United States and beyond his simple message. Traditionus Custodus is a wonderful gift to the Church, and Francis is the savior of Vatican II. He had a similar message to his diocese that I reported on a week or so ago, but now he's taking his message to the public. It's worth reminding everyone here that Supich and James Martin are the voice for Francis in the United States. Supich speaking to his brother bishops and the clergy, as well as from time to time the laity. And Pastor Jimmy Martin is Francis's voice to the laity and to the non-Catholic public who, for whatever reason, listen to what Francis has to say and read things Jesuits write. The story was published late last week on American Magazine's website. Headline. Cardinal Supich, Pope Francis's Latin Mass reforms are necessary to secure Vatican II's legacy. Now, I've been told that Vatican II is the most wonderful thing to happen ever in the history of the Church, ever, 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 and that it ushered in a new springtime of the new Church of the New Advent or whatever, that everyone was so wonderful, that everything was so wonderful in the Church now due to this new Advent that we're all experiencing, this new Pentecost where the fires of the Spirit are enlivening the souls of the faithful, who in reality, statistically speaking, cannot be bothered to go to Mass on a regular basis anymore, enter the nuptial sacramental relationship in the Church anymore, have their babies baptized anymore, or follow the church's teaching on the dicey moral issues of the day at all anymore. Typical Catholics are in almost no way indistinguishable from the world. At least, that's what I've been told, and we can now tell that the claim that everything Vatican II is awesome is on its face ludicrous. But all those things I just enumerated are the actual legacy of Vatican II, a functional apostasy, the loss of faith on a grand scale, and a building of a new church in the place of the Catholic Church. This new church I've always called the ape of the church, which is a term that comes from prophecy, because it mimics the Catholic Church while preaching a false gospel in her name. And here is Cardinal Supich with that false gospel. First, like a good boot-kissing lackey, Supich repeats the outright lies told in Traditionis Custodis. That Benedict intended Simorum Pontificum to be a temporary measure. Benedict never said that. But he also says that Francis was empowering the bishops when in fact he was stripping them of their conciliar power granted to them by the council which is not necessarily a bad thing, because that's a, what the council did was a historical there. 
But, you know, again, Supich is actually distorting the truth. And then we get this whopper, quote, The Pope's letter is a reminder to bishops, that as successors of the apostles, they with all the bishops in union with and under the Pope, cum Petro et sub Petro, share responsibility for the whole church. That reminder puts into perspective what is at stake and why bishops must take seriously the Holy Father's letter, as it is an essential teaching document that needs to be fully embraced by all in the church, end quote. So while this article is directed to the lady, it's also directed to the bishops. We'll get to that towards the end of the video. What he said there sounds a tad ominous, though. Most of the time, people don't say things like that unless something important is on the verge of failure. I've enumerated several times over the course of the past several months by my basic hypothesis that Francis doesn't like the Latin Mass, but didn't care really about it either way until the data hit his desk pointing out that the Novus Ordo, the mainline church, is withering while there has been explosive growth for traditional Catholics and Latin Mass communities around the world, not just in America, and especially growth among young Catholics. Young families are the ones that are at these Masses. Anybody who goes to them can tell you that. These are all the signs of the impending death of the Novus Ordo project in the Church, and they are now so clear that even Francis can read them. And as a true believing son of the Council and the modernist upheaval in the Church, he had to take action to protect modernism against the actual faith. That's being made pretty clear in this article. Supich then repeats another lie. The documents of the Council did not call for the scrapping of the liturgy of the Church and a new one to be invented. Right? That is the truth. But that's precisely what actually happened in practice, and there are reasons that that happened. And then he gives us his direct orders. Quote, First, given that the liturgical reform took place at the behest of the Council, not true, at Vatican II, and in conformity with conciliar teachings, failure to promote a return to a unitary celebratory form in accord with their directives of Traditionis Custodis will further call into question the authority and value of the Council as an integral part of Catholic tradition. For this reason, Pope Francis calls on all Catholics to recognize that Vatican II and its reforms are not only authentic actions of the Holy Spirit, but also are in continuity with the tradition of the Church. Sadly, there is ample evidence that many of those rejecting the Reformed liturgy in earlier and even later years also expressed opposition to the Council and its teachings, including those on the nature of the Church, the modern world, religious freedom, ecumenism, and interreligious dialogue. Nor were these objections restricted to the ways those teachings were being interpreted. We must be vigilant that the concession to use the former liturgy does not become a platform for this division to deepen. The specter and danger of a quote-unquote parallel Church is a real one. For this reason, any permission to use the earlier liturgical forms ought to include regular catechesis on the teachings of Vatican II, ever keeping in mind that, as Pope Francis said in 2019, the liturgy is life that forms, not an idea to be learned, end quote. Well, we already have a parallel church. It's called the post-conciliar church. But in other words, in order to sell the new religion to the laity, the old must be suppressed. It is demonstrable that what we've been spoon-fed as Catholics from the highest offices in the church since the council, since the 1960s, has been something other than Catholicism. Francis practically admitted this when he admitted that the hermeneutic of continuity was not a valid frame of understanding the church before the council and after, which was a slap in the face to the life's work of Benedict XVI. The moves of the spirit of Lucifer that they mistaken for the Holy Spirit are being threatened. That much is clear. And then we get more distortions, though, of the truth. And I'm right, just plain lies from Supich, but he's just repeating the stuff, the nonsense that Francis did. Quote, Second, we should remember that the Council Fathers left it up to the Pope to complete the reform of the liturgy. In recognition of the unique role of the successor of Peter, a description of his role is clearly expressed in number 882 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 
which quotes from the documents of Vatican II. Uh-huh. Quote, the reformed pont, the Roman pontiff, by reason of his office as vicar of Christ and as pastor of the entire church, has full, supreme, and universal power over the whole church. Any failure to address the resistance to the liturgical reform promulgated by Pope Paul VI and later by Pope John Paul II risks undermining church teaching about papal primacy and communion with the Bishop of Rome. End quote. That right there is him calling us all schismatics. You who figured out that if you raise your kids in the Novus Ordo, the chances of them walking away from the faith are astronomically higher than in any Latin mass community anywhere, including simply by taking your family to a diocesan traditional mass, or if you're an SSPX attender and everyone in between. That's what this says. But here's the thing. I admit that I am in schism with modernism. Modernism is a formally defined heresy. It was formally defined and rejected by Pope St. Pius X through his predecessors. And, they, and his predecessors had been talking about modernism and combating its errors for nearly a century prior to his condemning that error. You had popes from Gregory XVI all the way to Pius XII who were fighting modernism. Holding fast to the faith is what our Lord and the Church commanded us to do in the face of error. Pius X even promulgated the oath against modernism to make bishops, priests, and even teachers of the faith swear on their immortal souls that they will resist and fight modernism to with their dying breath. I have that recorded on this channel if you want to hear it. But Supich continues with his errors. He goes over a whitewashed history of Vatican II and kind of fails to mention, by the way, that the bishops who defended Catholic orthodoxy were mocked and railroaded out of the council. It was true. All of them were ignored. All the, the best bishops of the church were ignored at Vatican II, and even some of them having their microphones cut off in mid-speech when they tried to defend the faith from the floor of council meetings. That happened. Supich paints a picture of the modernists as the heroes of the faith. Then we get this, quote, Third, the very nature of the church and her mission is at stake. The Council Fathers described the church as a pilgrim people, a term rooted in scripture, to develop the image of the church previously understood as a perfect society and a world power to be contended with. As a pilgrim people, the church is semper reformanda, always open to reform and conversion, which is necessary for her to carry out her mission by reading the signs of the times, as Pope John XXIII urged. Sixty years ago, on this coming Christmas, that saintly pope convoked Vatican II with his apostolic constitution, Humane Salutis. Pope John XXIII noted that the reading the sign of the times is particularly important for immensely serious and broad tasks await the church. Chief among them is bringing the modern world into contact with the life-giving and perennial energies of the gospel. That one phrase captures the goal of Vatican II and the reason for its reforms. End quote. Supich aligned the church with reform, the nature of the church as being ever-changing. That's news to anyone familiar with the history of the church. Historically, reform of the church meant the reform of sinners, sinners in the church, reforming our lives, ceasing to sin, being more charitable, engaging in acts of mercy, and being renewed with an almost apostolic vigor to go out and preach Christ crucified and the redemption of people, that we must give up our sins, that we must pick up our crosses and carry it, that we must become better Catholics. That was what real reform meant. We were to change the world by calling it to Christ. We don't do that much anymore. Instead, the council and its aftermath sought the wisdom of the world. We know who the Lord of the world is. Our Lord told us who the Lord of the world is. The Lord of the world is Satan. It was a self-defeating project, and it's a project that is slowly failing. And the modernists cannot stand the implications of that failure. I'm not going to stop with reading that article from here because I don't read entire articles on this channel. But if you want to read the article for yourself, you can find it on America Magazine's website or you can find a direct link to it in my show notes 
and return to tradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Skip past the Patreon pop-up. There's no paywall for my sources. Unless, of course, you want to become a patron of the channel. It'd be wonderful if you wanted to do that. But I brought this thing up today because something else is happening. Supich wrote this article not out of the blue. There's another purpose here. Starting today, Monday, November 15th, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops are having its annual meeting in Baltimore. Watch Supich and watch him very closely. Do not be surprised if at some point in the coming days he pushes the bishops for a blanket ban of the Latin Mass or some other draconian measure to be in line with Francis's great act of mercy. Now, if he does that, I don't expect it to go well for him, but there are a lot of bishops on the fence right now. So keep an eye out on this. Maybe pray for the bishops, for the ones on the fence, and the better bishops to have a spine to just stand up against these Bergoglian monstrosities that are happening. Because remember, Supich is the voice of Francis the Great and Merciful in America, so be watching for what he does this week. Now, what, you, what did you think of this? Let me know in the comments, please. And if you thought this was important, share it somewhere on social media. You can, by the way, follow Return to Tradition on Facebook if you want. There is a Facebook page for this channel. I post these videos there almost every day, along with some other things, and you can share those posts rather easily. Also, like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.